Today, we celebrate the great feast of Mary, our Blessed Mother. This is her principal feast in the calendar of the Church. She has several feasts that commemorate the great moments in her life, but this feast centers on the great vocation that she was called to fulfill in the salvation of the world, which was to be truly and really the mother of God. That child that she conceived and bore in her womb was nothing less than God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father, of the same nature as our Heavenly Father. He is truly God. And that is what, when the Council of Ephesus formulated this dogma of the Mary as the Blessed Mother of God, it was affirming this. It was affirming the nature of the child that was born in her um, in response to, uh, to opinions that were becoming fashionable that reduced Mary's status uh, and reduced the status of that child in her womb. Um, the Council wanted to affirm the divine nature of that infant whose image we have here in the nativity scene and whose joy we have celebrated these eight days. We're in a funny situation here because we're still in 2023 too, but this is a mass that belongs to 2023. In fact, at the top of the page here where the readings we just read are, it says January 1. So I don't know how that uh, is going to play into your celebrating the incoming of the new year, because for the liturgy, in some way, it's already here, right? So as I always do, I'm going to sleep in the new year. That's what I'm going to do, uh, because we've already uh, begun with this celebration of Mary, the Mother of God, this feast, which we celebrate always on the 1st of January. So I wanted to point out to you one thing that I think is beautiful, and then I would like to take a very brief moment to speak for a moment about Pope uh, Emeritus Benedict, who died uh, the early this morning. One of the great themes in today's readings is the theme of the gaze of God upon us. And it's very important for us to understand that the way God looks at us is much, much more important to us than the way that we look at God. Hopefully we look at God in a way that in some way tries to reflect the truth of who he is. But our greatness, our blessedness, the wonder of the world is the way that God looks upon us, the gaze that God has upon us. In the first reading, we have God giving uh, Moses a blessing, which then Moses will use and the people of Israel will use as a blessing for the rest of their history as a way to bless the people. And this is what the blessing of the Lord is. The Lord bless you and keep you. Uh, the Lord let his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you kindly and give you peace. The Lord look upon you. My friends, the Lord looks upon us. The Lord our God, this is the amazing thing. The Lord our God has looked upon us. He has looked upon us with such extraordinary mercy and compassion that he sent his son to be a brother to us, to be with us, to be present with us, so that he could, as one of the prayers of liturgy says, look and see in him, in us, what he can look and see at in his only begotten son, 
Jesus wants, our Heavenly Father wants us as brothers of Jesus to be able to be partakers of his loving gaze, his paternal gaze upon us. He is truly our Father. He is our Father in a way that uh, completely transforms the sense of fatherhood. I very often, and some of you fathers here will know, especially if you come to confession to me from time to time, you'll know that I always invite fathers to live the greatness of this vocation, which has the very title of God himself um, as, its, as its title, the title of fatherhood. Of course, the title of motherhood is what we're celebrating today, uh, the motherhood of Mary, that she is the mother of God. And of course, motherhood is every bit as great as fatherhood, but the, whole, but, but the Lord our God is Father, and he looks upon us with love. And this is what Mary ponders in her heart. She ponders in her heart. The, the second thing that I'd like to point out to you, um, and that is this wonderful phrase that we find in various moments in the gospel. And in fact, if this gospel today from Luke was a few verses longer, we'd find a second statement of this fact that Mary, here's the, the quote, Mary kept all these things reflecting on them in her heart. Mary reflected upon these things in her heart. And my friends, we need to do this too. We need to reflect upon the love of God for us in our heart. We have to reflect upon the wondrous things that the Lord has done for us in our heart. We need to uh, take them truly to heart. We need to understand that we are but the, the beloved of God. Pope Francis, in the, the first day of his pontificate, he was asked, who are you, Francis? And he said, I'm a beloved, I'm a sinner beloved of God. This is a great sense of ourselves that we should have, that we are sinners, but we are loved by our God. And that changes everything. It's not about what we do. It's about his love for us that comes first. And our part is simply to embrace and accept that love. But my friends, that is so hard for the world. Why is it so hard for the world to accept the greatest and most beautiful thing, which is the love of God? Why is it so hard for us to embrace this most beautiful and greatest of things, which is the love of the Lord, our God, our maker? That's all we have to do is say yes, embrace his love. And in the embrace of his love, everything is accomplished. Everything is accomplished, including our restoration, our salvation, our return to the dignity for which God made us, and indeed to the greater dignity of sharing in a very special way in the Father's love for his Son, in the participation in the divinity, as the fathers of the church will call it. So that is the great uh, theme that underlies this feast and that Mary participates in, because Mary, in her Magnificat, she uses this very same expression. She said, he has looked upon his lowly servant. She has looked upon, he has looked upon his lowly servant. He has looked upon her. Mary has been looked upon and not only looked upon with the gaze of the eyes, 
but looked upon with the powerful uh, gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary and through this gaze full of person, which is the Holy Spirit, Mary conceived and gave birth to the Savior of the world for whom we are gathered here around the altar 2,000 years later. So consequential is this thing that we are still here. We are still living for this. We are still, there are people in the world even still dying for this. Um, as we have seen sometimes on our television screens. So let us ask that we may be aware of this gaze that Mary was so aware of, that we may ponder it in our heart as Mary did, and in this way we may share in her uh, beatitude, in her blessedness, in her that we may, as we do, as the church puts in our lips every evening, in the evening prayer of the church, whether we say the evening prayer of the church or not, um, many, many people say it on our behalf because we as a church pray the Magnificat every single evening, making our own those words of Mary, he has looked on his, he has looked on his lowly handmaid, uh, you and me. So let us ask that we may truly rejoice with joy uh, in this eighth day of the Christmas octave in which in the liturgy, even today, we will still use the term on this Christmas day because it participates in the great festivity of the eight-day feast of Christmas. A brief word I'd like to say about Pope Benedict who was called to the Lord today at 95 years old. Um, you'll hear many things said about Pope Benedict uh, you'll hear many things said about how he was a conservative and how he was... Uh, they'll say all sorts of things about him. I just invite you not to take those things to be true, because they're not. Pope Benedict was not a conservative. Pope Benedict was a great Catholic spirit, a great Catholic spirit full of the fullest of the sense of what it is to be Catholic. One of the narratives that you'll hear out there is that up until... The council, he was a progressive, and even through the council, he was a progressive. But then when he went to Rome to be the prefect of the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, he became conservative, and that throughout his papacy, he became more and more conservative. Simply not true. Simply not true. It's the sense of what is progressive and the sense of what is conservative that's inadequate. It's completely inadequate. Pope Franz, Pope. Benedict had, a, a, had, had an immense sense of the real and true nobility and dignity of the people of God. And he worked tirelessly throughout his life to rid us of formalism and to make us stand truly and really as, the, uh, as those who are free in Christ, free in Christ to live the great freedom that Christ won for us. And if you take the readings, if you take the writings of Pope Benedict, you will find, you will find, those who know him know he wasn't a reactionary conservative. Those who know him, those who are familiar, those who have read his works, know that he was continually pushing the envelope, not for a worldly progressivism, but rather for 
the fullness of it for every one of us from the first to the last in the church to be able to live the fullness of the gifts and the grace which God brought to the world. And my friends, this is truly uh, this is truly progressive in the truest sense of that word, not in the way that the world conceives that which is the slow. Today, the world very often conceives progressivism as the slow dismantling of everything uh, that our societies uh, and our history of these 2,000 years has managed to discover and hold dear. Um, that's not progressivism. Look, look to Pope Benedict. If you want truly to be a progressive spirit, I invite you to look at this man who served as leader of the church for the years he did, um, and then had those silent years uh, of his um, of his emeritus ship, uh, and now he has gone to the Lord, um, Pope Benedict XVI, a historical figure now um, that we can honor and remember and who I believe one day will be raised to the altars of the church. Thank you.